Which coast? Traveling east to west. Aaron Ladd. No, he did it. No. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs coast to coast. Yo, what's up? My guy is here. Uh, let me just start with a little vulnerability before we jump into all the Chiefs talk and all this. I missed you, my guy. I'm looking forward to this week's pod. I've seen everybody else talking. It's a lot of talk. It's a lot of spaces all of a sudden. A lot of movement around in, in Chiefs Kingdom on, on the Twitter webs and Twitter spaces. I was like, you know, I, I, I'm ready to pod. I'm ready to see my guy. Hey, you know, it's funny. You always talk about me being Neil Armstrong. I've seen you in some spaces this past week, man. You've been trying to dabble in there. I've seen you. I'm not... Uh, not Neil I, like you just yet. I, I, you know? I caught you. I caught you lacking a couple of times this past week. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm poking. I poke my head in people's rooms just to see where, you know, what the chatter is, man. Obviously, we got our little thing going here, but it's it's a lot of good. It's a lot of good content in the in the Chiefs realm, and uh, you know, we 48 hours away from the draft, so a lot of people got stuff to say, and it's you know, I got I got to see what people are talking about, man. No, nah, I feel it though. You want to be well prepared. I, I respect it. I'm not like you yet. I'm not someone who can spend all day in space, head in the clouds, you know, just bounce from room to room, host here, listener here. Like once you walk in the space, it's, it's a different energy in the room. You're too kind, man. You know, stop gassing me up, man. You're doing this for show. You're doing this for the people, man. Let's let's get into it, man. Let's get into it. <laughs> I'm actually uh, I'm, I'm leaving in the morning, my guy. Uh, you know, uh, I I shot you a message off, Mike, a couple weeks back, trying to make it happen. Try to try to do a little coast to coast in Sin City, but uh, it's a solo mission, unfortunately. Yeah, I won't be able to make it, man, this time. But like I said, I'll be in KC in two weeks, man. So let's make it happen. How can we even have a draft without Mark Gunnels there? Uh, I mean, it, it just seems like Roger Goodell would stop all of the he would stop all the all the all the ceremonies and all the carrying on and wait until you know just oh to get Oh my gosh, this guy. <laughs> this you're 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 a sick individual, man. <laughs> Man, uh, we, of course, wrapped last week's pod, as we do every week, 7 o'clock, Twitter Spaces, here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, or wherever you get your podcasts at the next day. Um, but as soon as we wrap, man, I, and, and we have a knack for this. I don't know why this seems to happen, but there's news that always breaks right after we wrap the pod. And, and last week was no different. Debo Samuel formally requesting a trade minutes after we got off Twitter spaces. It's like you texted him and was like, all right, the coast is clear, Debo. You got it. You got all week now. Just go ahead and go ahead and leak it now. And we'll, and we'll address it when it's, when it's cold. Yeah, that was pretty wild, man. Um, I know a lot of Chiefs fans kind of 50-50 on should they make a trade offer for him and things like that. I know we're about to get into it, but I'll let you go first. 
Yeah, the news of, of last week and, and kind of wrapping up this week as we get closer to the draft, uh, another big name wide receiver on the market. It, it, it's Debo Samuel requesting a trade this time around. And really the waters are a little bit more muddied on if that request will be accommodated or not. The Niners came out as recently as I want to say within the last two days. John Lynch said he couldn't imagine trading Debo Samuel but I think the funniest thing from this weekend was the video of Debo in the club, the bottle service, and the girl has the sign and says, Debo is staying. He's staying. Hashtag 49ers. And the camera pans over. You see Debo saying, heck no. He's shaking his head and all that. I think it's hilarious. Uh, I, I guess the initial reaction to another another name hitting the market here right before draft time. And, and we can kind of dig into some, some specifics from there. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as pertaining, pertaining with the Kansas city chiefs, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go after Debo man, uh, considering his style of play. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's not a, a prototypical wide receiver, right? He's more of a, he's a wide back, you know, he's a running back slash wide receiver. And I just don't think in the Chiefs system that's really needed right now. Because as you, as far as you already have baby, baby Debo already, I'm a Cole Hartman. So why would you need a grown man Debo as well? You already got the baby version of him. So, yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me in that aspect. So we're talking Debo Samuel here in this report <laughs> from, from, from Ian Rappaport kind of around the same time last week. And... He mentioned a trade market for Debo Samuel heating up, and he mentions a couple teams, the Jets, who we all know were previously interested in Tyreek Hill when he was uh, being traded away from Kansas City. The Packers are in the mix, the Lions, and then he mentions the Chiefs as well. The initial question when we're kind of talking about this trade around Debo Samuel was, does it make sense for KC to add him into the fold? And we've had this discussion, I feel like, at least three different times when we mentioned DK Metcalf originally, and then when A.J. Brown went on his little tirade, I just don't think that it fits with Casey's current strategy of getting younger, uh, getting cheaper, and getting uh, uh, getting more explosive. Sure, it gets more explosive. Who wouldn't love to add Debo Samuel into the fold? We're talking about a guy uh, uh, that is top-tier athleticism, uh, top-tier versatility. He can play the, the, the wide-out position. You can use him in the backfield, get the ball in, in his hands and his face, and I mean, a guy that's, that, that's hard to bring down as well. I mean, it, it's obvious why teams would want Debo, but does it fit for Kansas City's puzzle? I don't think so necessarily. He's going to want another new deal. You see what the wide receiver market at the top end looks like, Mark. You see what these guys are getting. If Tyreek Hill wants 30 when his deal is up, I can't even imagine what Debo Samuel would want um, when his potential new contract w would want. So I don't think it necessarily works for KC, but hey, let's just play the game, right? They, I see some hands going up in the crowd now, and I see some I see some people in here who probably would disagree with us. But how much would you give up for Debo? Because I saw a report, and I'll, I'll dig for it in here, Mark, about what the asking price is for Debo Samuel. So I'll ask, first of all, what are you comfortable giving up for him if you're a Kansas City? Oh, boy. Um, so I guess we're just playing a hypothetical here because I don't want to trade for him. So I'm just going to put that out there right now because I've, I've come around, Aaron, to your side of thinking, man. I, 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 you caught me off guard because I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked there's a name yeah. out there you don't want. It's a shiny new toy. It fits right into the offense. And Mark Gunnels does not want him. This is this is catfish. This has got to be fake. 
No, but I do want a receiver in the first round, though. But I don't want to trade for a guy. So, yeah, I've come around on that way of thinking. Well, well let's, let's, play talk, off- let's talk receiver a little later. We're talking Debo Samuel now, and he's on. He, you're on the phone with John Lynch. How much are you willing to give up in order to bring him to Kansas City? I'm not giving up a first. I'm not. I'll give up one of my seconds, one of my thirds, maybe even a future pick, but comfortable giving up one of those first round picks. And that's 20, probably what it's going to take. Yeah. 29, 30. At, at, what about a first next year? What if I say Kansas City gives up their first next year and, and both of their seconds this year? <sighs> I don't think I'll do it, man. I don't think I'll do it. Why not? It's just because the fact, obviously, when you trade for a guy like Will Samuel, you're going to be tied on the books. You're gonna, it's going to be north of, what, 25 a year? And then really matters the guaranteed money, right? But he's going to want a, a nice chunk of that, clearly. But for me, the way the Chiefs are going right now is clearly a youth movement and cheap contracts, right? So, And I just feel like this year's draft is so deep to where a receiver where I don't need to trade for a guy like that, especially when I already told you that he's not a prototypical wide receiver. And I want a guy that is the elite route runner that can get separation. I don't need a a wide back type of guy, you know, like a gadget guy. And I I get it. He's great. I'm not saying that. Like, he's amazing. He's an amazing playmaker. But I just feel like in the Chiefs offense right now, they need one of those guys on the outside that can win one-on-one battles consistently, and I'm not sure he's that guy. There's also some concerns, and and, and whether this is true or not, Debo kind of tweeted something out saying, hey, reporters are going to make a story out of everything. Uh, if you want any true information, it's between me, my agent, and the Niners front office. But there were reports that he was unhappy with his role in, in San Francisco, and that was a big reason why he was – uh, kind of going on and burning this bridge and, and ready to get out of San Francisco. That's another reason why, you know, it kind of gives me pause behind any Debo trade because you wonder, okay, who are we getting when we are giving up the the Brinks truck for Debo Samuel? Not only do we have to give up uh, next year's first or whatever the, the asking price is. I, I know I saw one report that said they were asking for a Tyreek Hill-esque haul in return for Debo Samuel, are you getting a guy that's disgruntled and only wants to to play the wide out role and wants to get back to a more traditional role? Or are you getting a guy that's coming in and being that versatile wide back, as you described, that we saw in San Francisco uh, so successfully last year and, and they went to an NFC championship game? I'm just curious where his head is at. Uh, Brett Beach kind of had some fun with with his availability when he gave his uh, pre-draft press conference and said that he was a guy that everybody's looking at, including Kansas City. Uh, but it doesn't seem like KC's in the mix, and, and I'll kind of kind of transition here. This report from NFL Network says the Chiefs trading for a top right receiver, so that includes Debo Samuel, but also the likes of DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. That considered a long shot. This is from Jeffrey Shiata of NFL Network. The, the tweet is some speculation that the Chiefs are interested in Debo because of draft capital. A team source says any of those moves isn't likely. Total of those options are probably all long shots and 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 this was you this is what i tried to tell you on this pod last week mark dodge gone it if you want one day you're going to listen to me man i swear one day you're going to come over to the the good side it sounds like you kind of are working on it now and teetering on that edge but i just don't think the chiefs need to go swinging for the fences before they even figure out what they have in these 12 draft picks 
Yeah, and to your point about Debo, that's another thing that gives me hesitation because his value is being a wide back. Like, that's where his value is. Him as a pure wide receiver, I'm not sure he's that valuable, which is odd to me that he actually put that out there because, to me, that hurts his value. Like, if you want to just sell the wide back role, like, yeah, I can I can run the ball and I can catch the ball. To me, that makes you more valuable. But now you want to just be a pure outside guy, a pure pass catcher. I, I'm not sure exactly what I'm getting there. So that's another reason why I say no to the Debo thing as well. And just in general, like, you know, I have a right to to change my opinion, you know, when I get new information. So you know, I've done some more research the past week you know, or so. Yeah, I, and, I know you uh, can't yeah. And I know you, I, I, I understand that. I, let me get a little bit deeper on that. We talked, uh, you know, about the Chiefs evolving their offense in a way uh, with the whole trade away from Tyreek Hill and them having to be more balanced on, and running the ball. And you've always said, hey, their, their offensive line is better at run blocking than they are at pass blocking. Do you think that they kind of... Or, or let me phrase it this way, what kind of led you to change your mind in that decision? Was it something that you saw, you said new information came in? Or, or, or why Why are you kind of have come around on the fact that the Chiefs maybe aren't going to acquire one of, the, one of these top-end guys and are kind of going to roll in with this MVS, Juju, uh, McColl-type unit? Yeah, just looking at the contracts, looking at guys that are coming up that are going to need new deals, uh, future free agents in the next year or two, the guys that I think the Chiefs may want to keep around long term. I mean, look at the wide receiver room right now. You know, Juju's a free agent next year. I mean, if he balls out, are the Chiefs just going to let him walk? I mean, they may want to keep him around, you know, so things like that. MVS, he he has an out in the, uh, I think, two years, I believe. So, you know, it's just things like that. Uh, obviously, Orlando Brown, he has to get his contract situation uh, handled, which we're going to get to here pretty soon. So it's just a lot of different factors, man, with these guys coming up. And, you know, I just hit myself in the head, Aaron. We have Patrick Mahomes, man. He doesn't need everything to be perfect around him, man. You know, he's not he's not Jimmy G. You know, he's not Kirk Cousins. So. But don't get it twisted. I still want a receiver in the first round. Don't don't get it twisted. I still want a receiver in the first round. You know my guy. I, I like Jamison Williams. That's who I still I want. I want them to trade him to get him. But as far as trading for a guy and paying him right now, it doesn't seem very feasible. Mark Gunnels has pivoted from one shiny toy in free agency to another in the NFL draft. That's perfect time to kind of switch gears here on Chiefs Coast to Coast, Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Got a nice crowd in here in, in the Twitter space. Appreciate y'all rocking with us. Got some hands up in the crowd. Stick with us. We take audience questions towards the end. 48 hours away from the NFL draft. We're talking draft. We're talking Debo Samuel, and we're talking Chiefs. And we're talking Brett Veach, who, who, who spent 35 minutes with reporters ahead of the NFL draft. Talked on everything, but I think one of the first things and most important things was his first public comments about the Tyreek Hill trade. This is obviously the dusk had kind of settled around the specifics of the deal and what case he got back in turn. But we kind of got better insight into what his mindset was around the deal. Communication with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey about what the deal looks like and, and uh, what it allows KC to do now that they have not only 
the the five additional picks, but also the ability now with some cap space. So starting with the Tyreek Hill trade, he said, hey, this kind of thing happens. I believe one reporter asked him, you know, how did you feel about making a franchise altering trade, if you will, you know, moving uh, on from Tyree Kill, a guy that makes your offense so dynamic. And he said, you know, I just had to turn the radio off. You know, he, he realized as a GM, you know, if it's good or bad, you're going to hear something about it. Uh, did, did you listen to these comments, Mark? What you think? Yeah, I did. So, you know, what I got from it was, and it's kind of really wild to me, but I, I like it, though. It's He's right. But it's just so crazy to me how comfortable he felt trading away a generational talent. But I, I'm on the same side as him, though. So it's kind of crazy to me that I feel that way as well. But that just shows the trust that he has in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. That's what I got from that. It's like, hey, I understand Tyreek Hill is this guy. He's one of one. There's no denying that. We're never going to act like he's not just because he's not part of our team anymore. But at the same time, the show keeps going. We still have the best player in the world. We still have Andy Reid, the best offensive mind in the league. You know, we got these guys like Juju, MVS, McCole Hartman's due for a breakout year. Still got Travis Kelsey, a top five offensive line. The offense is going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be different. Obviously, it's going to be different without Tyreek Hill but the production will still be there. And that's what I got from his press conference. Absolutely. I think there's a little bit of a confidence in Kansas City. And Brett Veach even spoke to this. He said, look, we're talking about Andy Reid at the end of the day. This is a guy that's won with all different types of quarterbacks, with all different types of offensive schemes, with uh, good weapons, bad weapons in between. I believe, and Brett Veach kind of, kind of issued this in his statement, that you know, this group especially has earned the benefit of the doubt that they'll be able to figure something out without Tyreek Hill. And that's kind of what my whole point was to you about pushing back, about needing to swing for the fence and get one of these top guys on the free agent market. Let's see what you got in-house right now. I know it's not a plan that everybody would have drew up uh, right after the AFC Championship game last year uh, and maybe even after the Super Bowl and kind of go into this offseason. But see what you have first. It's not like you invested too much money into what the wide receiver looks like, wide receiver room looks like now headed into the draft. And it's certainly not going to be too much more expensive coming out of the draft, unless, of course, you make one of these big type swings. But see what you got. There's talent in the draft. Tyreek Hill is a great player, but he he wasn't throwing the ball to himself as well. And, and go from there. I thought Brett Beach had a good head on his shoulders, and obviously only time will tell there. Uh, moving into the draft, he mentioned that he only – or not only, but him and his staff see – 16 to 18 prospects with a first round grade. Obviously, the Chiefs have 29 and 30 in the first round. Uh, do you read into that, Mark, as, yo, they need to draft up to get one of those 16 to 18 guys? Or uh, is that maybe a little gamesmanship from, from Beach? Yeah, that's some gamesmanship. I mean, he even kind of alluded to in the press conference, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, basically, don't believe everything you see or read, you know? So everybody. Uh, playing chess right now you know and it's it's funny because once the draft gets here and we see how it unfolds then we're going to be like you know what a lot of that stuff was fluff that we we read the past couple weeks from for every team not just Brett Veach and the Chiefs but everybody so I you know always everybody to be very cautious this time of year you know everybody has sources Aaron 
everybody has a source nowadays, you know. So you got to be very everybody. careful on, on what you believe, especially on here on Twitter and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, Brett Veach, man, and I, I know you're you're in there for those press conferences. To me, he does a great job of saying a lot, but really saying nothing at the same time. Like He's the master at that. Like He works you guys, man. The, that He must have went to your class for that because you're the king at that. You come on this pod every, every week. And, and his turn wow. <laughs> you see the shots that my partner throws at me every week, guys? You see this? This is cyberbullying, man. I think the Chiefs organization as a whole is king at that because Andy Reid will come on and, uh, you know, great week of practice. You know, we're looking forward to the challenge of playing the Buffalo Bills, Atlanta Falcons, or whoever bummy team they're playing that week. You know, the Chiefs. Yeah, and then, and then he'll be like, you know, they're a great football team, but they're 0 and 8. But they're a great football team. Really well coached. You know? <laughs> well coached. Have to we're gonna have to be fundamentally sound. You know, you gotta you gotta watch out for the for the for the deception this time of year. We're gonna play a little BS meter later in the show with some of these headlines we've been seeing and some of the chatter on, on, on Chief social media. But I thought Brett Veach and, and and maybe if that one was more BS, I thought this one was a little bit more truthful. He said, Hey, our group, when looking at our draft board, we see kind of a sweet spot here between 30 and 60. And he mentioned their draft of Creed Humphrey and uh, Nick Bolton in that range last year as a prime example of their success, kind of picking in that range. And maybe that hints to them drafting back down or pulling back down and, and stockpiling in that range this year or, or maybe next year, Mark. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, there was also a report that came out I think a day ago that a lot of teams are looking to trade back. Like this is one of those drafts where, I mean, we don't even know who's going one right now. We still don't have no idea who's going one through five. And that's pretty rare because most years, you know, who's going to go number one, but we have really no clue. I mean, we got an idea of a couple of guys, but it's not like that clear cut guy. And I think that's kind of the theme of this draft. Like there's a lot of uh, quantity in this draft. Like it's a very deep draft, obviously at certain positions, like a pass rusher, offensive line, wide receiver, you know. So, you know, that does make sense, and I do believe that. And the Chiefs have three picks in that range from 30 to 60, so with the two second-round picks and obviously the second first-round pick at 30. So, you know, I, I do believe that. I think Brett Veach understands with that much draft capital with 12 picks. Now, they're not going to use all 12 picks. That, that would be shocking. They don't need 12 rookies on this roster, so they will make some trade, I believe. But he knows they have to nail at least three or four of these guys, at least, man, to have I'm talking about instant impact because there's a lot of holes in this roster, especially defensively. And with free agency pretty much dried up, I mean, there's still guys out there, but, you know, the far as the first wave and second wave is pretty much done. So they have to nail this draft in order to really be legit contenders this year. Now, moving forward, different story, but big draft for sure. And a, a lot of good stuff there from you. Uh, I, I agree. I, I want to one more time give Brett Veach and company the benefit of the doubt for hitting in that 30 to 60 range because they showed us they could do it last year, and I think they could do it again. And I, and I know everybody is so enamored, and the top 10 and top 15 are so sexy, and all the mock drafts you read, you barely scroll past 15. But that 30 to 60 range is where you really get some of those impact players. I mean, when we're talking about guys who 
can show up on Sundays and and really it is, it's not just limited to 30 to 60. I don't I don't want to say like that's uh, the only range where you're going to find guys who can come in and start day one. But uh, the Chiefs have shown us that they can do it as recently as last year. And, and if you look back in that range in the last two to three years, I'm sure you could find not only day one starters, but uh, pro bowlers at a consistent basis. It, it, it's not just that top 10, top 15 area. Uh, where the Chiefs have to get somebody to uh, to make an impact right away. You don't have to trade up into the top 15 to get a Jamison Williams to, to have success. That 30 to 60 range is somewhere where the Chiefs can find someone and, and have shown us they have, they've done it in the past. Yeah, I mean, they have eight picks in the top 135, Aaron. Eight picks in the Whew. top 135. That is unbelievable. That's unreal. It's capital, man. And, you know, one of the stories I'm actually going to be focusing on, it kind of fan base, get down to Vegas, like I said, leaving tomorrow. Uh, I, I'm curious how fans feel about that. Does that make y'all anxious? Do, are you are you on edge because there's so many picks and you don't know what you're going to do? Like, everybody's pretty sure they're not going to take 12 players. Are you more nervous going into the draft when, when you don't know what's going to happen? Uh, or are you kind of sitting back, relaxed, and, and just eager to see what they do with, with, with so much capital? Well, let me speak for Chiefs Kingdom since I'm the mayor of Chiefs Kingdom. So, Yo, uh, the mayor. Yeah. Somebody get the yeah. Photoshop up ASAP. The mayor. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll speak for, for, for Chiefs Kingdom right now. I think it's a lot of nerves, man, but excitement, too. It's one of those things like you're excited, but you're nervous at the same time. Kind of like when the Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl. Like, you're excited, but you're also nervous. Like, man, what if we lose, though? But what if we win? So I think it's one of those things where, you know, you got so many picks. You got a lot of needs, especially defensively. But at the same time, I think there is a little bit of calm effect there considering last year's draft. Brett Veach absolutely nailed last year's draft. I mean, you had impact players left and right, especially on the offensive line. So I think that momentum going into this year will give a lot of the fans that common effect like, hey, I can trust this guy. You know, I can trust Andy Reid and maybe can't trust Patrick Mahomes if he wants to pick Clyde Edwards. Lair. I'm joking. But, <laughs> you know, you know that you know, that rumor was out there that he made the pick or whatever. Right. But, you know, I digress. But no, seriously, though, I, I, I do think Chiefs fans are excited, man. I think. Um, you know, obviously losing Tyreek Hill wasn't ideal, but I think now everybody's starting to see the big picture here that the Chiefs have expanded their window, especially if they hit on this draft, because now you'll have several guys on rookie contracts for the next four to five years. And the cap is only going to go up to the salary cap with the TV money starting next year. So they're in a great position, man, to really, really extend this run. The mayor of Chiefs Kingdom has spoken. I'm I'm currently editing your face onto a picture of Mayor Quentin Lucas inside of his office. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Mahomes joining you. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get this up and running, man. This is uh the, <laughs> the mayor. Are you are you serious right now? Oh, just just wait, just just wait. Stay stay tuned for your socials, Neil. This this it's gonna be it's gonna be really Oh my gosh. No, we having some fun here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. Still talking about Brett Veach's pre-draft uh, media availability. He touched on a lot of different things. Tyree Kill trade, where his uh where his staff sees some hot spots in the draft. 
And then he touched on the contract situation between uh, the Chiefs and Orlando Brown. I believe the last time we talked about this on the pod, uh, Orlando Brown was looking for a new agent. Well, Brett Veach was asked about that and said Orlando's still kind of taking a step back from negotiations. And honestly, both parties have kind of cooled off with the team focusing on the draft and what they need to add there. But he said if a new deal is going to come, obviously they, they use the franchise tag on him. It's likely to happen after the draft. Seems like it makes sense for all parties there. And uh, I, I think it makes sense to, to get it done. He said that they have comfortability getting stuff done uh, at the end, kind of near a buzzer beater and use Chris Jones uh, kind of as a reference point. You expect this deal to get done sooner rather than later? Yeah, I do. I really do, man. This feels like it's mutual on both sides. I think um, Orlando Brown is very, very happy to be in Kansas City. And I also think he's very, very happy that he's playing left tackle, which is obviously a dream of his, following his dad's footsteps. And playing in Kansas City, protecting Patrick Mahomes, made the Pro Bowl. You know, it's a place where not only you can get your money, but also, you know, compete for championships and be a, a staple for this organization for the years to come. Cause we know left tackle is the premier position on the offensive line. So what better way to boost your status, you know, than protecting Patrick Mahomes and getting paid very, very handsomely, which I believe he will. And I think that was part of the reason why, you know, the chiefs weren't going to, you know, go too far into matching or whatever the deal for Tyreek Hill, right? Because I, I do believe there is some stock in saying that, you know, having Orlando Brown, who is younger, who is protecting the blind side of your franchise quarterback, you know, long term, there's probably more value there. While Tyreek Hill is close to 30 years old, you know, and, you know, it's just one of those things where it's tough, man, because you can't keep everybody. That's why it's a salary cap, man, because if that wasn't the case, then, yeah, you could have the best player at each position. But this is not the case. You know, this is not the early 2000s with the New York Yankees where you can just buy everybody and, you know, have the best team, have an all-star roster. So you got to make some sacrifices. And I think that was one that was kind of partially part of the deal there as well. So I do think it's going to happen after training camp, definitely before the season, just so it doesn't linger. So, yeah, I think it's going to happen. I agree that it seems like both parties know what needs to happen. It's just a matter of getting it done. Orlando Brown sounds like he want to be here, sounds like he wants to be here, and the Chiefs have made it absolutely clear that they want him here. Just a matter of getting the numbers done. It seems like Casey's kind of distracted right now by the draft, and once the whole representation thing is figured out, hopefully this is not a thing where we're like, oh, yeah, it, you know, it's a done deal. It's good. And then, like the Tyree Kill trade, we get on here, and there's a bomb that's dropped. Uh, in the offseason. Uh, Brown's deal probably coming before training camp. Also, one more update on another Chiefs offensive lineman is Lucas Niang, who Brett Veach says could be ready by the end of camp. Obviously had that injury at the end of last year, but this is a piece that's important to what Casey's doing along the offensive line, Mark. Wow. First of all, you, you are fast with this Photoshop, dude. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> you already got it out there. <laughs> wow. I'm, Yo. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that on Jumbotron right now for you guys down below. Uh, yeah, wow. That, that's amazing. I got to give you a round of applause for that. That was really quick. The mayor <laughs> spoken. I hope Mayor Quentin Lucas is not too upset about you taking, <laughs> just, just absolutely taking his job. Oh, my gosh. You're talking about Lucas Niang, right? That, that kind of <laughs> just threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, <laughs> Lucas Niang. Um, yeah, that, that's a good sign, man, because I was getting a little worried, honestly. And this is the one position on the offensive line that doesn't have a question mark, which is right tackle. I don't think it's that big of a deal because Wiley did step in and play pretty good, you know, and obviously they kept him around. So you got that option as well. Obviously, ideally, you would want Niang to work out considering they used the third round pick on him and he's still very young. But it just seems like something is just not quite clicking there. I mean, obviously, the health thing, he's had some struggles as well. I do think he has some flashes, though, where he was starting to come around. And then, obviously, the injury happens right before we kind of really get to see him in his glow, if you would. So, you know, I'm not too concerned about the right tackle. Like I said, you still got Wiley there as, as a security blanket. But I would like to see Niang work out because I do believe he could be part of that young core on the offensive line. Absolutely. And how well that group kind of gelled. I mean, they had one off season and it really was like a COVID off season to kind of get everything together. You had some new faces throwing Joe Tooney in the mix. Guys had to move around after injuries throughout the year. Uh, just want to see them get a full off season together and, and see what they're capable of, especially with this, not only, uh, without Tyree Kill, but a more balanced attack that we've been pushing for. Hopefully we can see that. Let's go and do a little BS meter. This is this is really quick because these are just some little chatter points. Like I said, it was a busy week on the interwebs. I mean, I know you couldn't tell because you were up there in space and it's hard to see from as high up as you are, but a lot of people were, were talking about two things. And it's about possible returns to the Kansas City Chiefs from some old faces. One of them kicked up by Brett Veach. Let's just put a bow on his press conference with this one. He's not closing the door on a Tyron Matthew return. Darn it, man. Another episode we talk about Tyron Matthew. I know you said it was 0.5% or, or 1%. I forgot what you let the number at. Uh, but, but Brett Veach basically said it would be a long shot to bring him back. Um, they still feel very well about him. And, um, you know, all the... All the all the company speech that we talked about earlier in this pod, you you know the vibes are. But he but he says, hey, if I'll never rule anything out, I think was the exact quote. It, it, what do you think on that? Is that cap? Yeah, this is major cap. I mean, you, could, you could put <laughs> you could put ten caps on this. I mean, come on, man, this is it's over, man. You know, uh, it's zero percent at this point. Zero. I'm not even giving it a point five anymore. Zero percent. It's not happening. They've moved on. You know, he's saying the things to the media. He's being nice. I get it, but nah, it's over, man. And, and you kind of touched on this when we first started having these discussions. You know, he'll ever be forever be linked to the kingdom. So I think, you know, Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld once said this on, on his show, a breakup, you know, it's like a turning over a Coke machine. Like, you can't just do it in one push. It takes a couple times to rock it, and I think Chief Kingdom is kind of still rocking this baby back and forth without realizing that it's been tipped over and, and ain't no more soda on the inside. Like this one, this one seems cooked. The other one was about Anthony Hitchens possibly making a, a return, and that's another one that Brett Veach won't rule out. It's a guy that's been a leader in the locker room in the past. I know we wanted to see younger players uh kind of step up in the linebacker room and, and, and Nick Bolton was made available so maybe some were reading into what his leadership role would be but Anthony Hitchens hasn't signed anywhere yet are you willing to close the door on him 
I'm actually not closing the door on this one. And it's not Ooh. because it's not because I don't want to close the door. I really don't think the Chiefs have closed the door because I don't believe that he has a market. Like I'm I'm not sure what team is going to sign him. And considering, you know, came out and talked about how they're still talking and he's still in his ear and he's still a big brother to him and he's not going to cost anything. So, I mean, I'm not going to rule that out completely because, I mean, you can bring him back on a real cheap veteran minimum type of contract and it's not going to hurt. He knows the system already. Obviously, um, you know, he's a, has a great relationship with the young guys with Bolton and Willie Gay. So, I mean, I'm not advocating for bringing him back, but I wouldn't be shocked if they did. I really wouldn't. And I think we've seen that Steve Spagnuolo likes to have a veteran presence on his defense. I, I mean, Chiefs fans know that. If, you, if you're watching on Sundays, he likes to have a guy in there who he can trust. I mean, obviously we know what the what the future is. I don't think there's any confusing what that is. We all know uh, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton will be linebackers of the future for the Kansas City Chiefs. They've drafted them in that position and then they've invested in them in order for that to happen. But at the same time, they've still invested in having veterans on the floor. Ben Neiman got snaps at that position. Anthony Hitchens got uh, a lot of snaps at that position. Stepags likes to have that veteran presence on his defense. Uh, some coaches are like that. In, in the NBA, Eric Spolstra loves to go with his vets. He'll give Jimmy Butler the last shot at the end of the game, even though Jimmy Butler isn't probably the person who should be taking the shot in that situation. Some coaches just ride with their vets, and I think this is – Kind of like you, it's probably not likely to happen, but there is a, a realm and a situation somewhere where that where Anthony Hitchens does end, end up back in Kansas City. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't hate it. I mean, I'm not going to be jumping on tables and throwing a party if it happens. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, if it happens, I get it. You know, trust, veteran, knows the system, leader, I get it. But I'm not going to be advocating for it either way. Let's let's wrap up with some draft stuff here on, on Chiefs Coast to Coast, Mark. Some quick hits related to the draft, about 48 hours away. I can smell Vegas already. And those who have been to Vegas that are in this room, they already know what I'm talking about. Vegas has a smell, man. It, 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 it's the casino smoke. It's the just no inhibitions. It's letting loose. I'm supposed to be seeing a little baby at, at Drace on, uh, on Thursday. Mark, you'll miss the whole thing, man. Oh, man, you're big time, man. You're going to see James Harden there during the playoff game. He's going to forget the playoff game. He's going to show up. <laughs> Some quick hits related to the Kansas City Chiefs. We know they have 12 picks tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars for most draft capital entering the 2022 draft. So I'll start with this one, Mark. Out of the 12 picks, and this is assuming whether they use them all, trade them all, whatever, we're just starting with the mindset of them having 12 picks. How many of those end up on defensive players for Kansas City? I'll say eight. I'll go at eight. That's big. Why do you think they make such a big investment? Uh, I mean, that's only leaves four if they take all of them. Yeah, I mean, just so many holes. I mean, you can get a couple of corners. You can get a couple of edge rushers, a safety, a linebacker. I mean, interior defensive line to help out against the run, to help out Chris Jones. I mean, literally every le level of the defense could use a couple of bodies for depth. So, and like, we agree, they're not going to use all 12 picks, but just to play this game, if they do, I mean, I think eight would be, I think that's fair. I mean, seven at least. 
but I'll say eight. I'm going to be honest. I have them like retaining seven or eight of the picks. I think the number here is six. I mean, it splits the difference. Call me a cop out, whatever you want to. But uh, we're in agreement that there's a lot of holes, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. They need people who are going to come in and compete for starting jobs ASAP. We've talked about this on the pod in the past. I think that that 29 pick gets packaged with something in the third round, something in the fifth round to help them move up and secure that edge position. And then from there, it's defensive backs. Whether you get a guy like Dax Hill, who may still be around, that can be a versatile safety corner type guy, that can play a lot of different positions for you. You need you need young guys, you need speed, and you need guys who you can feel like can, can step in and learn the system right away and, and play for you and contribute. I feel like six, eight, we're somewhere in that range. I'm going to laugh hard as hell when they add two guys and keep it moving. <laughs> that would be a travesty. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Draft quick hits continuing. We're, we're talking 12 picks for the Kansas City Chiefs, whether they use them or not or whatever. 12 picks, Mark Gunnels. How many of them end up in day one starters for Kansas City? I believe Kansas City had three day one starters from their draft last year. That's Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Nick Bolton. Is that correct? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. They got 12 picks this year. How many of them end up in day one starters? Oh, man, that's a good one. I'm going to say give me give me three again. Give me three. I think a wide receiver will be a starter. I believe a corner will be a starter, and I think an edge rusher will be a starter. Stole the answer right out of my mouth. I'm stopped sharing my study guys with you ahead of time. Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly right. I think whoever they draft um, with that edge combo trade-up mock draft that I've been dreaming of for the last week and a half, uh, I think that person ends up being a day one starter and, and then their corner. The wideout maybe plays a factor. And I also, like I've said on this pod previously, I think they had a running back, Mark. I mean, you got so many picks. And, and Brett Veach even talked about this. He said his, he said their team, the team's draft board for running backs between rounds five and seven stretches from the top of the room to the bottom of the floor. Uh, I'm not reading into anything by thinking, hey, Casey might add a running back as well who, who may not be considered a day one starter but a contributor. Yeah, I could see that in the later rounds, um, you know, like fifth, sixth round type of type of deal. It's not a real pressing need, but you can never have too many guys in that room. So, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and then let's have some fun with this one. Well, you know, you're a KU guy. Uh, I'm a Mizzou guy. All my Mizzou people in the chat say what's up. I see a couple hands up in here. Y'all are y'all are hanging on. Um, for Kansas City, do more picks come from? the Big 12, or the SEC, Mark? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a real <laughs> good one. I'm going to say the SEC because, there we go. you know, the Chiefs have a history, especially with these Georgia guys. You know, they might get a pickings. And then, obviously, in the later rounds, you got a lot of depth at offensive line, even linebacker, corner. And a lot of those guys are from the SEC, you know, so – uh, I like the guy from Florida at corner. They may get him in the first round, Elam. So, yeah, I'm going to say SEC. Even though the Big 12 does have a lot of guys, too. Like, I like Dotson at receiver as well, who's a potential target maybe in the second round or maybe even late first. So, you know, but historically, especially recent recently, 
the Chiefs love them SEC guys, man. They really do, especially them Georgia boys, man. It's gonna be a lot of them guys going too. So I'm gonna say SEC. Well, we know the Chiefs are a smart organization, so I mean, they looked down in the great state of Georgia and they said, you know, we need the best, Mark. We need the cream of the crop. <laughs> built a, built a little differently down there in the in the Peach State. What can I and say? I, and, I, and I misspoke. I said Dodson. He's he went to Penn State, so that's a Big Ten. So my bad on that. Uh, I think the answer is SEC here. You know, I just had to write a question to get you into giving my Tigers some love after after too much love for your Jayhawks. You're yeah. acting like you acting like Mizzou wasn't in the Big Twelve before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Mizzou fan post Big Twelve. That's the weird I know thing. you're you're a newbie, man. You're not a real Mizzou guy, man. Stop, Stop that. My first, <laughs> my first Mizzou game was actually the SEC championship against Auburn. It was in. The Georgia Dome, I was like a senior in high school. I was like, oh, I'm going to Mizzou, journalism, all that stuff. So I, I didn't even really know any of the, pre, the pre-SEC the beef. But but best best believe, you know, no love for KU on this side. Hey, I respect it, man. I respect it. I respect it. But, yeah, SEC. Absolutely. We got your, we got your responses down here. Good little episode. Leaving for Vegas tomorrow. Can't wait. I can already smell it. You can find me at the roulette table. It, it, it's up. It's it's absolutely up and stuck. What's your game? Do you do you gamble at all? No, nah, I just do sports gambling, man. I don't mess with the tables, man. And you're a Lakers guy too. So I know you didn't make any money. I'm not a Lakers guy. I'm a LeBron guy. It's a difference. <laughs> you're just a kid from Kansas City who lives in LA and loves the Lakers. I'm a LeBron guy. <laughs> are you are you gonna bet the house in Vegas this week? I need somewhere to come back to, Mark. I already lost my first house betting and messing around with you on the first episode. She you saying the Bengals shouldn't even get off the bus. I, I like I don't know how you got away with that and still have a platform. It's really crazy. Hey, when you're the mayor, you get away with stuff like that, man. You're the mayor, yo. Joshua has been so kind. And has had his hand up the whole time. We'll give it to Joshua for our first audience question. It's connecting here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. Joshua, you're on live here with me and Mark. What's up, man? What's going on? What's up, I'm enjoying listening to this, and I just wanted to say congratulations to the new mayor. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I'm a man of the people, man. Thank you. Anyways, uh, my question is, um, what do you think about uh, Kansas City uh, keeping both of those picks and grabbing a uh, – a defensive back and a wide receiver in the first round. Yo, Josh, appreciate that. I my initial thought on that is wide receiver is deep this year, right? So, uh, as far as first round is concerned, if you're staying put at 29 and 30, and I saw Peter King put out his mock today that also had the Chiefs staying at, at 29 or 30, just go ahead and knock out your defensive needs right then and there. I feel like that's going to be the harder position to 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 get depth that and get that top end talent at versus wide receiver where we know is a little bit deeper and you've already built through free agency. If you're staying at 29 or 30 in my, in my opinion, I think you knock out the edge, you knock out your, your safety corner, whatever your needs are there. And then you have fun with uh, the wide receiver market towards the end in that 30 to 60 range that Brett Beach talked about. I don't know what your thoughts are that on Mark. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be a little different here. I, I want the receiver if I'm keeping those picks. So I'm gonna get a receiver. A guy like maybe a George Pickens at 29, and maybe at 30, get a Daxton Hill, safety from Michigan, or the corner from Florida, Elam. So 
that would be a dream for me if we stay at 29 and 30. Wide receiver and defensive back. I'm going to hang around a little bit longer. It ain't no hands up right now, but uh, we'll, we'll give you all a couple more seconds. If not, I'm going to hop on this 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 early flight. In, bro, 6 a.m. from KCI. And I don't know when the last time you went to KCI is, but that's not a place you want to be at 6 a.m. Yeah, that, that's pretty rough, man. Uh, <laughs> you got a straight flight or you got a layover somewhere? We we laid over too. Said I'm not balling like you. I'm not in first class. Drake oh, happy on man. the jet yet. I'm not on LeBron's personal flight over to LA. I'm not you yet. I'm not. Let the me man. guess. Is your layover is in Dallas or Chicago? I think it's in Denver actually. Oh, it's in Denver. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. So man. we're gonna be we're gonna be mile high flying into Sin City. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey, enjoy it, man. You're gonna be on the West Coast, man. I wish I could be down there with your dog, but it's all good. I'll see you in hey, a couple we're weeks. Gonna, we're gonna make it happen when you get here. A good episode. We got, oh, we got one more. We got one more. Or throw your guy up. My boy Osiris, I know this guy, man. Twitter space is very interesting, man. Hey, what's, what's up, bro? up, Mark? What's up, Aaron? How y'all doing, man? Yo. Doing good, man. man. So, what you got for Man, us? so this whole offseason has been pretty crazy. I know we've talked about the Honey Badger, that door potentially being open. But I feel like the defense is really the primary focus because I feel like we have a lot of receivers. Like, I feel like our receiving core is pretty deep. From Jody Forsen, Therese Fountain, McCall, Juju. Travis Kelsey, you know, from our tight ends, like I feel, and Noah Gray, like we have a lot of receivers, and everybody's just pan- panicking about a receiver. And I really just feel like our attention should be focused on the defense, especially the defensive front or edge rushers. I mean, you know, what I'm saying we got linebackers, and then I feel like filling filling out the secondary. But I feel like the defensive front is probably like, you know, who are we gonna get on the side of Chris Jones? Is Melvin Ingram coming back, etc. So, I mean, do y'all see anybody, them picking anybody, I guess, on the front for us up in the draft? Yeah. So, I mean, they're definitely going to pick somebody for sure. Uh, either whether it's in the first round or second round, you know, pick and choose your choice there. And then there's a couple guys I do like that they could get late in the first round, right? But really, the premier guys at pass rusher that you want to get that are instant impact, probably going to have to trade up for. And that's the question. Will the Chiefs trade up for one of those guys, whether it's an edge rusher or a receiver they really like? Because you do have two first-round picks, so you have the ability to do that. And they will trade at some point. It's just a matter of when and where, right, Aaron? So we'll see, man. We'll see. Like I said, it's a very deep draft in multiple positions. Brett Veach is going to kind of let the board play out, as he mentioned in his press conference. And wherever the chips lay, he's going to make a move because we've seen drafts before where one team makes one draft pick that kind of screws up the whole board, right? Where it's like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. And now it's like a trickle effect, right? And now you got guys out of position or guys getting picked where they shouldn't have got picked before the draft. So, you know, it's a very, very, um, very difficult thing to, to read beforehand. And I'm glad we're only 48 hours away, Aaron, because I don't know about you. I'm so tired of seeing mock drafts. <laughs> if I see one more mock draft, my head's going to explode. I'm not a mock draft guy. I mentioned earlier, after the first kind of 15 picks, we know what this is, man. People just plug in names of players they like, players they they found on tape that they want to show and flex off that, ooh, I saw this guy on tape. Brett Veach even said it in his little in his pre-draft conference. I mean, after the after you hit the third round, it's all over the place. It's it's on scheme. 
It's on fit. It's on motor. It's on a lot of more of those things. I mean, there's a consensus in the top 15. And unless you're in that top 15, you have to pay a heavy price to get in there. Uh, your guy mentioned defensive line and cornerback. I mean, those are team needs this year. Kansas City's going to address those with these 12 picks. And, and, and we'll kind of go from there. It's uh, it's finally here, though. It's, I mean, like, sheesh, enough, man. We, we, we had so much draft talk. I think Chiefs fans are just hungry and they want something to celebrate. Yeah, 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 man, exactly. I can't wait. I'm glad it's almost here. We're going to have the great Aaron Ladd there covering it. You know, the NFL draft couldn't go on if you weren't there. So Just copycat um, folks now. You, no, no, because you try, to, you try to put that on me, but it was really about you, man. That's why you're going to be there. If it was that important for me to be there, I would be there. But they don't want me to be there. So you're there, man. So congrats on that, bro. Well, here's the thing, right? So it's in Vegas this year, but next year – it's in the it's in KC, Kansas City, and the mayor will be in attendance. He'll cut the ribbon. It'll be Roger Goodell on one side, Patrick Mahomes on the other side, and it'll be Mark Gunnels cutting the ribbon with the big scissors, welcoming everybody to great old Kansas City. Not only that, Aaron, I'm going to announce the Chiefs' first round pick next year. I'm going to shake his hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm announcing the Chiefs first round pick next year as the mayor of Kansas City. You a clown, bro. Hopefully the Chiefs got an extra ring on their finger when they when they pick 32. <laughs> right, right. Good episode, man. I, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to stay safe in Vegas. Hopefully I'll be back here in one piece next week. Yeah, man. And your Hawks are getting packed up right now. Why, Mark? Why? We out. Goodbye. <laughs>